just a, a few minutes to go over there and get rid of this stuff. Oh man, I gotta get rid of all you guys. You're in the way. And I'm gonna share it on page image. Okay. just taking this over it's going to ask me now for a title and we're going to give it one what are you calling it what would you like me to call it mm. something like uh, what saint francis of assisi can teach us today or what saint francis can i don't know something like that yeah i was thinking life and times of saint francis or um the the values of saint francis today or living the values of saint francis today how about living like St. Francis today? Like that. Okay. Okay, you. Okay. I'm going to say we're live. Hello, Facebook people. How are you? All right. Well, today I have James Twyman with me, and he is a multi-talented New York Times bestselling author of 16 books, including The Moses Code and his most recent, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, which I got to tell you guys is a fantastic book. He has also recorded more than 18 music albums, including the Billboard chart bestseller I Am Wishes Fulfilled, along with Dr. Wayne Dyer, and he has produced and directed seven feature films. Wow. You may know him as the Peace Troubadour, the guy that Bill Maher called a folk singer and an idiot, <laughs> making fun of James's plans to give a concert in ISIS-controlled Syria, which he did, by the way, along with other war zones in Iraq, Croatia, Bosnia, and South Africa. James is also the founder of the Seminary of Spiritual Peacemaking, which he has ordained over 600 ministers from around the world. He currently lives in Ajijic, Mexico, and is the director of the Namaste Lake Chapala Spiritual Community there. You can find out more about that at uh, www.worldpeacepulse.com. Uh, but now a new adventure awaits. He is a, going to be a one-man off-Broadway production called Brother, Son, Sister Moon. It's based on the life and teachings of St. Francis, and I'm going to let James tell us about this in his own words. So let's welcome him to the show. Hello and welcome. Hi, so great to be here. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Um, amazing book. First, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to... Um, wait, let me get my camera back here because I'm on another page. I'm trying to do like four pages at the same time. Here's the book. Giovanni and the Camino of uh, St. Francis. And I, I believe that this book was sitting in your, I don't know, in the annals of your mind maybe for yeah. 20 some odd years. And not that long, but for a while, I, I'd actually decided that I was not going to write any more books. Okay. Uh, for, for a long time, publishers expect you to keep writing every year, put out something, keep your brand moving all of that, whether you have something to say or not. And I, I knew I was moving in a different direction and I just put it on the back burner and said, if I'd never read another book, that's fine. But this one story about Giovanni just stayed with me and kept chewing me really. And uh, it started when 
the first time I walked uh, what's called the Camino of St. Francis, which is similar to the Camino most people are familiar with, the Camino de Santiago in Spain. This is obviously in Italy, and it follows the small paths and roads that Francis would have walked 800 years ago to get from town to town, village to village. And you get to go to all of these places, experience these stories that St. Francis had lived. And when I was doing that the first time, maybe seven years ago, I began just playing with this story. You know, as you're walking, you just imagine things. And I began to imagine a journey with uh, an older woman named Anna and this young Italian guy named Giovanni that she meets along the way. And they have this adventure together where Anna learns to heal her heart and and she undergoes this deep Franciscan experience, which Sorry, I won't I got say got too much about. Uh, I don't want to ruin the story, but it, it, it was just something that just stayed with me. And I finally sat down and began writing it about a year and a half ago. Had so much fun. This was such a fun book to write because in a book like this, I know how it begins and I know how it's going to end, but I don't really know what's going to happen in the middle. Right. So I would discover it as I was writing it, just like a, a, write, a reader will discover it as they read it. And that made it so entertaining for me and hopefully for the audience as well, because it's fresh, it's alive. And I think it's a story that everyone's going to be able to relate to. And for people who don't really know much about St. Francis of Assisi, most people just think he's the birdbath saint, <laughs> you know, the, the king of birdbaths. We see him everywhere, Aww. but he had such a, a rich and even complicated life that we get to discover in a very modern way through this book. It was a delicious book. And I really, you know, identified with, um, with the character, the main character in your book, uh, you know, a woman probably my age who decided to take, you know, a journey and go back home and see what home was all about. Um, you know, she had a lot of issues, I guess. And, and so like many of us, my, my son walked the Camino de Santiago. And so I had a feel of that and I thought, okay, you know, he did those 800 plus kilometers and uh, I thought, this is a little more doable. <laughs> yeah. Harder though. A lot of people don't realize that though the Camino de Santiago is longer the Camino of St. Francis is harder because okay. you're walking up and down hills for 110 miles oh, and geez. in Tuscany and Umbria. It's so beautiful though. But this year and also next year, um, I'm still leading groups on the Camino, but I do what I now call the Camino of St. Francis light because it's, it's a way to experience it, but not have all the blisters and aching muscles. We walk about three to five miles a day, six, seven kilometers a day. And then we get to spend more time in the villages and the monasteries and the convents and, and really feel the energy. So it's already sold out. I went to look and it's already sold out for next year. Like, hello. Uh, well, just yesterday I announced next year's and we've already had 40 people who have asked for information. I don't know if, if, if that's going to translate into being totally sold out but it might because we can only have 30 people oh okay because i was on the website and i thought it said sold out so i'm like oh can't even go no, not yet so oh, okay the people can if, if they want to go to either jimmy twyman.com uh or worldpeacepulse.com get on the email list so we can let you know when we're doing 
uh, these. We might be adding a second one for next year because it's so exciting. So many people want to come. There's just something about St. Francis that's compelling. Even though he lived 800 years ago, we're still talking about him today. And that's got to tell you something. Yeah. I'll actually tell you something that started this whole thing for me. Uh, we're going to be jumping all over the place. I want to talk about the musical and the book and Beautiful. my own history with this. But I'll tell you what started me wanting to do this musical, which will be on Broadway next year, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. I was reading something online and I, I came across a quote written by a very unusual person. And I'll, I'll tell you what the quote basically was and see if you can guess who, the, who said this. This person said, our revolution failed. It created more atrocities than it solved. What we really needed were 10 St. Francis of Assisi's. Oh, wow. Guess who said that? Jeez, I, I can't even imagine. Well, it's someone that you probably would not guess. Even though maybe one or two people have, it's Vladimir Lenin. Oh, really? The architect of wow. the revolution, who didn't even believe in God, by the way. He recognized the power in giving everything. He recognized the power of being completely on fire with love, which is what Francis of Assisi was. He was on fire to the point that people couldn't come near him without getting engulfed by it themselves. And when you look at Francis's life, he was at the very end of what we now call the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. And it was a very difficult time politically and socially. In fact, many of the things that we're being challenged by today, you could see in that time, 800 years ago. And yet, Francis's example, his simple example, changed things in Italy and Europe so much that right after Francis was the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. He inspired so many artists and painters and people who brought in, initiated this world of illumination. And I think that maybe that's what Vladimir Lenin was pointing at, that if we just had 10 people who were on fire with this, who committed themselves completely as Francis did, maybe that's what would change the world. Not people arguing or, or trying to um, battle. Yeah. That's what's gotten us into this mess. We, we look at almost every country, we see this going on. But if there were people out there who were so on fire with love that they gave everything to that. And to me, this is what it's all about, going on this journey. So uh, next year, beginning in January of 2020, I'll be walking across, well, not only walking, but traveling across the U.S. from the West Coast to the East Coast imitating Francis as much as possible. So I'll be penniless. Myself and my friend Bill Free will be penniless. We won't have any idea how we're getting from place to place. We, we know there are different, maybe 11 different cities we, we're going to stop in where I'll be doing the musical. How we get to those cities or where we're going to stay or how we're going to have meals, we don't know. Because that's how Francis would have been. He would have trusted completely. And that fire that he felt burning inside him would have been sufficient. So we're going to be doing that as we make our way to New York so we can perform this as an off-Broadway show from February 20th to March 1st of 2020. So the theaters are all booked, right? The yep. theaters are all booked. So we know the cities that you're going to land in. Yep, everything. And you have to kind of land in on those dates too because they're booked. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. just have to trust you're going to be there on that We'll time. be hitchhiking, we'll be accepting rides if people want to offer them. 
Um, the only rule is we can't fly. Okay. We can, we, people can buy us a bus ticket or a train ticket or give us a ride, but we can't take money and we can't fly anywhere. So you can stay in their homes or in their yep. cars or wherever, and they're going to pay for you to yep. eat and all yep. of that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Total and then here, here's the other really exciting thing that no one's ever done before. When we're in New York, we're going to be doing this show, but every day we're going to be on the streets passing out free tickets to the homeless, inviting them to come and be our guest. And before each show starts, we'll have a soup kitchen in the back. Nice. Where everybody can come together and enjoy a big bowl of soup. The people who paid our guests, everyone together, because this is what Francis would have done. Francis didn't see any division. He wanted to be, as Jesus did, with the poorest of the poor. Right. He wanted to be in service to the people that were ignored. And that's what we want to accomplish, to imitate Francis, who was the great imitator of Christ. So this tour is going to be incredible. Oh, and by the way, I should mention um, one more website. If people, if you want to see the first 20 minutes of the musical, you can see it right now by going to stfrancismusical.com. But the saint is stfrancismusical.com. And you can see the schedule. You can see if we're going to be coming to your city. I can say right now we're in Portland, Santa Barbara, Phoenix, Sedona, Santa Fe, Kansas City, St. Louis, Peoria, Chicago. Philadelphia. Cleveland, Philadelphia. Is that where you are, Philadelphia? No, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> oh, okay. I wish <laughs> but we're I gonna come. We're going to come and, and, and try to go see you. One of those... Maybe like Philly or, or someplace close by. Or get me in Toronto. I love coming to Toronto. Come to Toronto. And, yeah. And New York. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, and I was thinking about, because um, I interviewed the, I, I interviewed the folks from there a couple of years ago from Lava May. Do you, do you know Lava May? No, I don't. So Lava May, they, they started out in San Francisco. And um, I'm tr I can't remember her name right now. Sorry, but it'll come to me. Anyway, she, she won a Google award because she took, buses that were no longer running and turn them into washing stations for the homeless so they can go bathe in these buses and they get you know fresh clothes and laundry and all of that stuff um get a beautiful bath and or shower and then haircuts if they want and then off off they go so i was like how amazing would it be like if lava may could show up and they could have a bath before the performance and get their clean clothes and socks because you know new socks and and that kind of thing that'd be cool that's a great idea. I'll have to reach out to them. Yeah. 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 They're really, they're good people. Good people. So that would be really cool. I don't know if they're up in New York, but hey, they could go to New York. Why not? They got a bus. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so Diane said that she knew it was Lynn and she's in the, she's in the room. Okay. Like, a smart lady. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, I love, you know, I first heard about St. Francis from a friend of mine. Um, I had a, a serious motorcycle accident. And he had had a serious motorcycle accident. And in his book, he had, he had written, attributed to St. Francis, and it might not be the exact quote, but where there's despair, there's hope. And that just stayed with me because yeah. there's so many people, I know, Diane, you're included, who feel such despair today because of illness and, and different kinds of things and pain and suffering. Um, and I, I actually spoke to somebody last night who had given up hope. And I'm like, no, don't give up hope. You can't give up hope where there's despair, there's hope. So that was really powerful and, and it, it kept me going and I know it kept him going and I hope it keeps other people going. You know, it's funny, um, that comes from what is called the prayer of St. Francis, which is one of the most beloved prayers in history. And 
yet Francis himself did not write it. Oh, he didn't? Oh. No, it showed up in the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, it was on a holy card. It said a simple prayer on one side, and then there was a picture of St. Francis on the other side. So it became known as the prayer of St. Francis. However, Francis did write many beautiful prayers, including uh, the first example of anything ever published in the language of uh, Italian, the, what we now know as Italian. And it was called the Canticle of the Creatures or Brother Sun, Sister Moon. So that's where the title of the musical comes from. He was prolific in so many ways. Most of all, he was prolific in the way that he loved. He was the rich kid in town. He was, he had everything and was spoiled. And yet he, he underwent a transformation that began with him being put into prison. He was fighting for the Assisian army against Perugia, which is the neighboring city. There was this whole thing between papal states and independent states. And, and he was captured, as were almost all the Assisians, thrown into prison for a year, became very ill, and during this period began to question everything, just as many of us are today. We question whether, is this really what it's all about? Is this really what I'm spending all of my time for just to get? I, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that are similar today as they were 800 years ago. A lot of people are, are loving this new movement called minimalism. There was a wonderful movie on Netflix. Yes. You should check out if you haven't seen it. And, and people want to simplify because they, they look around saying, accumulating is not what I'm here for. There's something deeper. There's something richer. And that's what Francis realized. So he, in one false sweep, he stripped naked in front of the whole town of Assisi, laid his clothes at his father's feet, and walked out of the town and began living a new life. And he was so inspiring that within only a few years, there were literally thousands of men and even women all over Europe sharing this, this commitment. And once again, it comes down to the fire. That's what Vladimir Lenin realized, that 10 people who are on fire with this it will have more impact than a million people marching through the streets, arguing, fighting, making their voices loud. Francis, he, his voice was soft, but it was so impassioned that we saw a, a shift in the world, and I think we could see the same thing today. Okay, so you joined the order of St. Francis or the Franciscan in hermitage as a, as a hermit, is, which doesn't necessarily mean you have to be alone. Tell us about this. Well, I originally entered the order when I was 18. When I was young, I was in love with God. Just I, I felt that fire and I met a Franciscan friar from Chicago who was just so dear to me. And so I decided right out of high school to go and to enter the order and I was studying to be a priest. I did leave after some time and began, I got married, had a, my daughter and began my career. But there's a saying about Francis is about once he gets his hooks in you, he doesn't let him go. <laughs> it really is incredible. So it, it always remained. In fact, my spiritual and public journey began in 1994, when a friend of mine gave me a sheet of paper that had the peace prayers from the 12 major religions of the world. And these were prayers that had been prayed in Assisi 
1986 when Pope John Paul II gathered all the leaders together to pray the peace prayers. And I had an experience as I read each one of them where I put all 12 to music in one hour. Wow. 12 songs in one hour. And I decided that I just wanted to be like a penniless troubadour like Francis and travel around the world sharing these prayers in war zones and wherever else people needed peace. And that's when the peace troubadour ministry began, traveling to Bosnia. I was invited by Saddam Hussein to come to Iraq and many, many other countries while wars were happening. You mentioned- So tell us about that experience, because I'm dying to know about that, really. Like, you go, you go to a war zone and you're invited by somebody like Hussein and you sing your prayers, yep. all the prayers? Yeah, I did. Uh, that was in 1998 and maybe 99, I can't remember, but uh, we were on the verge of another war against Iraq. President Clinton was still in, audience, in, okay. in office. And I was on a radio interview in London. I was on a book tour there and I just happened to say on this very popular store uh, show, maybe I should go to Iraq and sing the Muslim peace prayer to Saddam Hussein. Maybe if we just pray together, something will happen. Well, I didn't realize that the ambassador, the Iraqi ambassador to Great Britain was listening. And next thing I knew, I was on an airplane flying there. We had to fly into Amman, Jordan, take a, a taxi 12 hours through the desert. Wow. In fact, I'll tell you one thing that I'll never forget. When I first arrived in Baghdad, literally the first time I'm stepping foot onto Iraqi soil was when we pulled up to this hotel called the El Rashid Hotel. This is probably still there. Uh, and it's a beautiful hotel. When, when you're walking in, there's a huge mosaic on the ground at the entrance. And in the very center of this mosaic, there is what looks like George Bush, George Bush Sr. Yeah. And I'm looking at this and, and he has a snarling look on his face. And then it says underneath it, Bush is a criminal. So you literally have to walk over George Bush's face to get into this hotel. Wow. Wow. With wow. my welcome mat. Yeah. And yet what I found everywhere I went, just as I have found everywhere, every war zone or every country in conflict that I've ever been are wonderful people who are as committed to living peaceful lives as we are. I remember after I did this concert at the National Theater, they had a big party. Uh, there were dozens and dozens of people who were amazing people. And all we did was sit around singing Simon and Garfunkel songs. That's great. That's great. You know, it's really sad that, that the people who want peace aren't responsible for, for not having peace. And so they have, they don't, the leverage isn't with them to say, let's just have peace. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it seems, my heart breaks it, for these children right now in Syria, yeah. for all of these families who just, they were just ordinary families, you know, going about their business, doctors, lawyers, pharmacists, whatever, you know, booksellers and, and their lives are disrupted. Children are orphaned and, and, Again, the world doesn't want them. You know, no, we don't want them. We don't want them. Like, it breaks my heart. I think this is the power of St. Francis and, and that one, you know, idea that 10 St. Francis's could change the world because it's not what we say or do. It's who we are. Francis once said, one of his most famous quotes is, our only job is to teach the gospel wherever we go and when necessary to use words. Mm. Only when necessary. It's your presence right. that shifts the world. And if there were enough of us 
who just came together and held that and committed ourselves to that, to living this, to being on fire with this message. That's what will change the world, not politics, not social movements, but people like you and me and anyone who's listening to this saying, I am choosing to be an instrument of peace right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, I didn't think of this before because I would have grabbed it, but we, I, it could only take me about 10 seconds. Maybe I should share one of the songs. From oh, yeah. Get your, get your guitar. Yeah. And, and, and we could, uh, because what you're going to find is here we are talking about this and it's, it's beautiful, but music and prayer enters in through the back door of our consciousness rather than the front door where there are no filters where we we don't hear things intellectually, but we get to experience them more deeply. Right. So there's power in singing. St. Saint, Saint Augustine said, when you sing, you pray twice. Oh, I like that. So I think what I'll do is I'm going to go grab my ukulele and, and share the prayer of St. Francis, which is how the the brother, son, sister, moon music. So beautiful. It was so beautiful. You know, if you, people can go to that video that you mentioned earlier and, and just watch that you were in the temple. You were sorry, not the temple in in the church of in Assisi, which is stunning. Um, but James just brought tears to my eyes when he was singing. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Diane, are you still with us? I hope you are because I want you to hear this. Um, absolutely brilliant. He's such a good singer. Such a good player. Been playing for since he was twelve years old, I believe. One of his priests taught him how to pray. So that's exciting. How exciting we get a personal concert from james twyman yeah personal (laughs) concert (laughs) i love it you know the funny thing is i am at this moment in my family's home where i i lived when i was in high school and this is kind of where it was all born one day this would have been in 1994 i so 25 years ago i was here at my parents home and I found that holy card upstairs that had the prayer of St. Francis on it. And I just thought, I want to put this to music because it's, I've always loved this prayer. And I went into the bathroom because, of course, it has the best acoustics. <laughs> and I just effortlessly began playing. And the song was just there. Channeled it. it. Yes. Yeah. And I knew it was beautiful. And I, I don't think it is I've beautiful. Ever, it is beautiful. Like it made me cry when you were playing it. I just love it. Let's let's hear. I don't think do I've it. ever done a, a concert where I didn't probably open with this, but it was right here that I did that. And it was the next day that that experience happened with the peace prayers. So I think this was the key that opened that door. Oh Lord. Me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, bring your love. Where there is injury, pardon. There is doubt, bring your faith. Where there is despair, your hope. 
worst darkness bring your light where there is sadness your joy divine master granted we may not see be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand Beautiful. And you were a teenager when you wrote that? No, I was, um, I think I was about 30. 30 oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Great. How many times have you played that, do you think, in your life? <laughs> thousands, thousands of times. And, and every time, it's like the first time. Wow. Because it is so rich. Make me an instrument of peace. peace. An instrument yeah. can't play itself, right? This is the, the key. An instrument, if it just imagine that the strings are vibrating, nothing's happening. But yeah. only when it surrenders into the arms of the master musician do the strings begin to vibrate and the music fills the air. And then, of course, that part, it is in giving that we receive. It is in loving that we are loved. This is the essential teaching that when we give to another we're really only giving to ourselves because there's only one of us here and and that act brings us into that experience and it's all about that experience not intellect not trying to understand it with our minds but being in the experience of giving and receiving being the same thing when we get that i promise you the world changes on its own absolutely beautiful and you know i just <laughs> i love everything that you're about i just can't even believe it you are so multi-talented. I mean, you, you probably just explode with creativity. But you have your finger in a lot of pies. Now, I got to know, know about this levitation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. What's, what's up with that? 
Wait, wait, tell us, you know, why? Why do you want people to levitate? What is the purpose of it? Well, it's kind of like a, a, a number of years ago, I, I also put out an internet course called the Spoon Bender course, where people mm-hmm. could, could learn how to bend a spoon with their mind. Mm-hmm. And the levitation course was similar in the sense that it ultimately wasn't about bending the spoon or even levitating, but understanding the process of how miracles happen in our lives. And it's really just unleashing that technology. The levitation course started when I was in Israel with a group once, and we were doing a very specific meditation, which is from the CD that I produced with Dr. Wayne Dyer, the one that you mentioned, uh, called Wishes Fulfilled, the I Am Frequency Wishes Fulfilled. And it's a meditation that's based on the sound of the name of God from a Kabbalistic perspective. That's a, that's a lot of words. All it really means is that there's a very powerful vibration that resonates with the name of God, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. I could talk for an hour on that, but I won't. But we were doing this meditation and breathing technique when I was, on, when I was in Israel. Everybody was lying on the floor. And afterwards, someone came to me and said, I couldn't believe it. I opened up my eyes and I looked over at you and you were about six inches off the ground. Wow. And I've witnessed this with other people. Did There's, you know that you were levitating? No. 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 If, if you're consciously aware, then it's probably not going to happen. There's another state that we go into. So I put together this program called the Levitation Course. Uh, there are some meditations online. You could probably find them if you did a little searching. Uh, and it's 40-day course? I think it was, yeah. Like and 40 days in the desert? <laughs> yeah, 40 days. And you do this meditation every day. And it's very, very powerful. That CD, the meditation I did with Wayne, to this day, I don't know, 10 years or so after we put that out, I still get emails all the time, people telling me that this is the most powerful meditation that they ever heard. I really believe that to be true. Uh, So there there are always so many projects. And to be very honest with you, I got to the point where I just had to say, stop. No more projects. Just do what your heart loves. And, And my heart has always loved that beautiful, simple expression of St. Francis. And that's why I'm wholly dedicated to that now with the book Giovanni, with this tour across the U.S. to get to New York to do it on Broadway. Uh, I mean, this is what I think the world needs right now, are, are people who are willing to do something radical. You know, the world never changes at the hands of conventional people. Yeah. It never does. It, it changes at the hands of radical people who, who are willing to take a radical truth and live it out loud. That's how things change. Margaret Meads once said, don't think that the world doesn't change with the impact of a small group of dedicated people. In fact, it's the only thing that really ever has changed the world. That's right. So that's why we need 10 St. Francis's right now. And I'm willing to say, I'll be number 10. Yeah. yeah. Where are the other nine? Yeah. Let's, let's get this together. You know, the, like I, I say that change happens best in chaos because most people, I love change. Like I crave change. If change doesn't happen, change doesn't happen for me. Like, I'm, I'm depressed Debbie, but most of the people I work with do not like change. And it's like, you got to take them kicking and dragging into that area of, you know, out of their comfort zone for change. I had an idea like yours going to the theater and having, it was called the unstoppable show and musicians, artists, speakers, um, 
and leave where I wanted people to leave that theater knowing that nothing was un, un, impossible. They're like, everything was, I am possible. And, but I don't have your name. <laughs> so I couldn't get into those theaters to book these shows, but it was a cool idea. And I still, you know, it's still there, still there in the back of my mind. I'm getting older now though. Well, I'll tell you one of the Might things we are doing with the New York show, especially is we're inviting anyone who wants to be on stage with us on a Broadway musical to, to actually be there, not wow. in the audience, but on the stage. All they need to do to join our choir of monks and nuns is go out and get themselves a, a brother or a sister, uh, a, a monk or a nun outfit, which you can get easily online. Yeah, and, it's Halloween and, now. We can get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're prior tech for a hundred dollars. You can buy a really nice one. Yeah, yeah. And actually, be on stage with us. As oh, that would be so much fun. In New York, I want to come. You should. You're in Toronto. That's not that far. Yeah, it's not far at all. I would love to do that. The um, Tell me about Kiera because I didn't know about her. And that's actually my daughter's middle name. So I'm kind of interested. Yeah, Kiara is my daughter's middle name. Is it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you asked about Santa Chiara or St. Clair because she is often... Um, silent behind the image of St. Francis, and yet she was just as important and perhaps even more impactful in, his, in their time. Behind every great man. <laughs> behind every woman. great man. And Francis and, and Claire were soulmates, but they were also fully committed to this life of what they called voluntary poverty, obedience to the Holy Spirit, just living the fire of love itself. Francis was about 15 or so years older than Claire. She was the, the closest thing to royalty that they had in Assisi. So she was in a whole other class than Francis. Um, people say, well, why didn't they get married? First of all, it's a silly question because the life that they chose was so far beyond that. But even if they'd wanted to, it wouldn't have been possible because Claire's family uh, would never have allowed her, to, even though Francis was, was of a very high class, Francis, or Claire rather, was, was royalty. And so when she left her home, inspired by Francis, and slipped away and entered the convent and ultimately founded the, the order of Franciscan women, called the Poor Claires. When she did that, it was a very big deal. Her family tried to get her back, and then her sister did the same thing. Ultimately, even her mother wow. came her living at a chapel called San Damiano, which is right below Assisi, yeah. which became the first convent. And Claire and her sisters were cloistered. So they, they didn't spend time in the world. So that's why we don't hear so much about them. But, but, but Claire's holiness and her impact was so profound through Europe. Kings and, and popes would, would come to her for her advice. There were at least two different times, two different stories when Claire stopped through prayer, uh, Assisi from being destroyed by armies. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, actually, I just finished reading a book not long ago myself where I learned more about Claire than I ever knew before. And I'm reading that book thinking, holy mackerel. What's the name of that book? I want to read that book. Oh, goodness. You remember? No. I'll, I'll research in it. In my phones. But there are many good books. Yeah, uh, many really great books about Claire as Francis. Yeah, uh, but but Francis was always out 
teaching and preaching and singing and, and getting a lot of attention, whereas Claire was quiet in her convent, but the power and the impact of her, of her message and her presence was just as strong. So how did they get together, these two? Well, they lived in the same town. And when, when Francis first left everything, he was considered a fool. He was an outcast. And yet Claire was one of the first people to see through that and to see what was really happening. She felt the fire that was in Francis. And as more and more people began to realize, no, he's not crazy. Francis only had one goal. And that goal was to see if it was possible to do what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. That's it. To really live it, not just talk about it. And Claire noticed that. And so here she was, this, this rich, almost a princess, living high at the top of Assisi, watching this poor uh, beggar, monk, walking through the streets. And she felt what he was really about. And, and in, in a very short period of time, she snuck away from her home and Francis took her into the order, cut her hair. And at that point in, in that society, once a woman's hair was cut, she was worthless. And, and she gave her life to, to God and to this message and that's why to this day at one side of Assisi you have the Basilica of Santa Francesco at the other side of Assisi you have the Basilica of Santa Chiara and these are the the two supporting posts of Assisi which I think is the most beautiful wonderful town in the world uh, and it, it was it was not just Francis that was holding that up but it, it was Francis and Claire together the masculine and the feminine so when you talk about Jesus, when you think of Jesus, he, he's just love. Is that how you perceive Jesus? Just going yeah. about his day, just love, love, if, love, love. If we were to bring it down to the most essential element, yes, yeah. I would okay. say. And, and this is my, you know, I, one of my little pet peeves about Christianity um, has always been that I believed, cause I'm, not, I'm not a Christian, but I believe that Jesus was about love. And yet the religion doesn't seem to be, uh, the, the dogma in the religion doesn't seem to be focused on love. It seems to be focused on other things. And so if we could strip away, I'm a Christian or I'm a this or I'm a that, and we just said, I, be, I have the religion of love. Well, that's how it all started. Can't we just do that? Can't we just get rid of all, you know, the church has so much money and the church, you know, this and that, and just be, you know what? Because I've seen some atrocities in the name of Christians and Jesus, Absolutely. right? And I actually, I was watching a show, I think it was last year, and, and it was, there was a black man and, 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 and this white man, and he's going, you know, the white guy's like, oh, like, Jesus would hate you. And I'm thinking, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't hate him. No, you know? if, if anything, You're Jesus crazy. would have looked at that man making the judgment. Yeah, yeah. He would say, Yo, what's going on? This is not what love is, and this is not what the message of Jesus is. And yet we co-opt the message of Jesus in so many ways to match our own prejudices. Right. Because like you said, when, when you look at the gospel teachings in the life of Jesus, all you saw was love. The early Christians were called the church of love. They were just simply trying to live out that love that was demonstrated by Jesus and that was as picked up every now and then by people like St. Francis and reinvigorated. But unfortunately, what tends to happen is things become institutionalized. And then we have to protect what we think we have. 
So in the, in the Christian experience, for the first 300 years, it was very pure, but they were persecuted and they were, uh, they yeah. were having to do things in secret. And then Constantine comes along and lifts all of that, makes it the official religion of the Roman Empire. And now we have something to protect. And so everything changes at that moment. Now, I, I am a, a Catholic priest. I, I was ordained as an independent Catholic priest, which means that I can celebrate the sacraments, but, but, I, but I'm not directly under the Pope. Even though I, I love Pope Francis, I love the fact that he chose the name. Francis. I like him too. I think he's heading in really the right direction. But uh, there, there's an independence with, with, with my ordination that allows me to do things like this. But really all it comes down to is how willing am I to do what Francis did, which is to step out of those fearful constraints and enter into the experience of love, which is what Jesus demonstrated. Now, people are doing it, and, and, and I think that that momentum is building. That's why I say that today, much like it was 800 years ago, we're coming out of a dark age. We're coming out of a very shadowy time. All the things that are happening, especially in my country, that, that yeah. are, we look around and we're just dismayed, they have to happen so that the, the darkness and the shadow can be brought into the light. And when enough of us are simply holding that and demonstrating that light, that love that you talked about, that's how the world changes. That's what's going to bring about an yeah. effortless transformation. Francis was a beautiful example of that 800 years ago. And now we're being called to be another example here today. We had an election here yesterday in Canada. Yeah, how did it turn out? I didn't pay attention. The liberals won. I was very disappointed that we had no change. No change. Very little change. And we need a change desperately. Yeah. But I think, you know, uh, let's just say, I think that the party that should have won was led by a Sikh. Mm -hmm. And I think people couldn't get past the turban, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's the well, shame. But who we knows? We need to be the change, as Gandhi said. We need to be the change that we want to see in the world. When when I mean, Vladimir Lenin said 10 St. Francis's, maybe it would take 12, maybe it would take 112. I don't know how many it's going to take, but when there are enough of us who are being that change in a literal, dramatic way. See, this is why I wanted to walk barefoot across the U.S. with, with in winter, by the way, <laughs> doing this show. And, and by the way, I should say that one of the things that I'll be doing from the moment I enter into that character on the first show, which is on January 4th in Portland, the moment I, I begin that show, from that moment on, for the next two months, I will stay in character. In other words, I'm not going to finish the show and then go be back Jimmy. to Jimmy. I'm going to stay, uh, finish the show and, and begin thinking like St. Francis, not going around saying that I'm St. Francis because that would take away from it. But internally, living from that place for two months, I think of Daniel Day-Lewis, who I love. I think he's the greatest actor in the world. And when he enters into a character, he never leaves during the shoot. When, when he played Lincoln in Spielberg's film, mm -hmm. for eight months or whatever it was, he was Abraham Lincoln. Every night, his wife slept with Abraham Lincoln. Jeez. And in, in fact, I heard that when he finally left character, when they wrapped, it took him a couple of days to get his Irish accent back. That's how deep he would go. My Left Foot was my favorite movie of his. Oh, like, gosh, yes. <laughs> gosh, yes. So what would happen if I 
went so deep into that character or you or all of us. Maybe this is the answer because all Francis was doing was imitating the Christ. Now me imitating the imitator will, will I, I believe bring about a similar experience where, because, and here's, this is the key. You're imitating something that's already true. And when you imitate something that's true, the truth of that experience reveals itself automatically and easily. So Francis imitating Jesus, imitating, you know, today we would say the Christ because we know that Christ is not Jesus's last name. Right. Yes. Jesus was the full embodiment of that fully awake Christ energy, but you're being called to that as well. So Francis opened his own Christhood, stepped into his own. Can you call it the God spark? You can call it, you know, it yeah. doesn't even matter what you call it. Yeah. But, but it, the, the experience is universal. The words are never going to come close, but the experience is universal. And it's simply this. You're on fire with love. Nothing can stop you. That fire burns away everything that's not like itself. Francis had that fire. Claire had that fire. It changed the world 800 years ago. I believe it can change it again today. I think there's a lot of people on fire. I, I, I individually, and somehow I think they need to become merged and so it can grow the you know when leo did the kindness diaries i know you're going to get across the u.s because it's already you know he already did it the kindness diaries and and you know he was he wasn't allowed to ask for money either uh, but they filled his tank on his motorcycle yep. and away he goes um i know that there, there are good people out there they're good people yep kind people that are going to open their hearts and their doors but we want to believe we want other that, people to open their hearts and, and doors too. Yeah. They're not so kind. I mean, we're people. gonna we're gonna be going through places that may not agree with with things that I believe. Right. Uh, these may be people who voted for people that I wouldn't have voted for. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but at the core, just like I found when I went to Iraq or to any other yeah. country at war, what we're going to find are beautiful heart love heart opened people if you give them a chance if you get outside of the intellect and all of the ideas we can enter into the experience together and so we don't know what adventures await us on the road we don't know who's going to pick us up and bring us to kansas city or st louis or wherever else we're going but we are going to be shooting this as a movie nice. um, in, in one of the tricks of something like this like you mentioned that the kindness diaries or other films like that if you have a film crew following you, it takes away from the experience. We're, I'm, I'm traveling with one person and we're both going to have our iPhones going the whole time. That's the movie. So it doesn't take away from the authenticity that we're experiencing. I wonder how many people are going to start following you, walking with you. Wouldn't that It'd be, be interesting fun? to see? Yeah, That's I think fun. they will. I think they will. <laughs> I think you're going to have a trail. And then the birds are going to land on your shoulders. <laughs> You know, I, I just want to get out of the way. That's the key. There, I, I want Jimmy to dissolve in, into nothingness so that who I really am can emerge. And from there... But maybe you really are. Maybe you really are Jimmy and you really are St. Francis and, and maybe you're the reincarnation of St. Francis or we all have a piece of, of this God in us anyway, I believe, when we come here. So it's not, it's not a... Um, what's the word it's not an impossibility that you become saint francis you'll probably channel francis on your walk on some level that's the idea yeah is, is to become that 
and to see what that leads us to and the world to. You'll be really interesting is, is to have your friend check your energy and how far it goes out once you become Francis compared to Jimmy. Yeah, that would be interesting. That'd be really cool. <laughs> now I watched you walk around um, a young lady with a pen. Oh yeah. Go hide my book. Go hide it anywhere in the United yeah. States. And you found it in Portland, somewhere yeah. near the needle. Uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, this, this idea that, that um, we're, it's, not, it's not necessarily being psychic, but it is being open and, and yeah. hearing. Because you can hear people's thoughts. People go, what, you're reading my mind? No, they're, they're just broadcasting. Yeah. And, and sometimes if you're there, you can hear it. What you're talking about is a project that I did with uh, my dear friend, Annika Komen, when we wrote a book together called The Proof. The idea is to prove that oneness is real that this is not just some new age idea or spiritual thought, but that we truly are one and we can experience that. And I remember I was with Louise Hay and Reed Tracy uh, the, you know, from Hay House mm -hmm. talking about my next book. And I, I, we were talking about the proof and I said, I want to do this experiment where we pick someone and have them hide something. It doesn't even matter what it is anywhere. At first I said the whole world. Yeah, that's a bit much. And then without them <laughs> saying anything, um, just being in their presence, I'll, I'll know where to go. We'll get on a plane with the film crew. We'll travel there and I'll find that book. It turned out to be Reed said, are you willing to put some money on it? I said, what do you have in mind? He said, well, if, if you find it, I will make a $50,000 donation to charity. If you don't, you have to make that $50,000 donation to charity. I said, you're on. So we, we went ahead and did this experiment. No one's ever done anything like this before. No. We, we picked a woman. We had a little process we went through. We picked a woman, gave her $1,000. She could travel anywhere she wanted in the U.S. Uh, and, and hide this book. And she did hide it in a bush in Seattle. Um, we got on, I knew immediately where it was within an hour, maybe an hour and a half at the most of arriving in Seattle. I found that book and Reed wrote that check. Who got $50,000? Huh? Who got the $50,000? The Louise Hay Foundation got nice. $50,000. <laughs> and uh, if people can watch that, by the way, if they go to YouTube and just type in James Twyman, The Proof, it'll take you right to that. It's pretty fun. I mean, I like to do things that catch people's attention. And that was an example. That was fun. That was fun. I liked it. The, fun. You've got, you mentioned that one of your books was your favorite book. Was that the one about Jesus? Is that the, do I have the right one? No, probably my favorite book is a book called The Barn Dance. Okay, The Barn um, Dance. But your ex-wife? Yes, 13 years ago, my, my former wife, Linda, was murdered in Chicago. And unless you've ever been through an, an experience horrific. like that, you, you just can't relate. And, and it was, it's the story of, of my deep healing around that and a very particular story that happened when people ask, well, how do you describe it? The easiest way would be to say, if you took uh, the movies Field of Dreams and Ghost and put them together, that's what the barn dance would be. So wow. that's my personal favorite. Be because I had to go deepest for it because it, it was my healing. I, I was healing through that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking up the other book, the Jesus book, and there, I don't think there's any more copies, hard copies or 
paper. I don't know. Anyway. Well, there are in my garage. Are there? Because <laughs> I, I, I said, Mimi, send me, send me a, you know, send me, if you can send me that book, I love that. And because they're like, in Canada, it's like $55 or something or 56 bucks, right? It's a lot you of money. You get it on Kindle, by the way. Uh, it's called the, the Art of Spiritual Peacemaking. No, and it wasn't available on Kindle. Oh. Any, no, I couldn't find it in the U.S. or Canada. Interesting, because I, I, I have it on my Kindle, so I wonder, I'll have to check and uh -oh. see how I got it. Yeah, okay. If, if you could let us know, that'd be great. I'll, yeah. I'll put an addendum to this. <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, like I said, you know, you've got this wonderful book, Giovanni, and, and you know, his travels on the, the Camino with this lovely lady. Um, such a good book. Thank you. The Moses Code. Tell, we've got a little bit of time left. What's, what was the Moses Code about? Well, the Moses Code, if, I'll tell you how, the story of how I wrote that. I had just watched a movie that was getting some attention at that time, a movie called The Secret. Yeah. And all about the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And I watched that movie, and my first thought was, this is a good movie. A lot of people are going to watch it. But the way that this information was presented is what we can call the ego's law of attraction. It was all about getting. It was all about trying to think of what I want that I don't have. And if I could only get that, and if I could only attract it into my life, somehow something's going to change. Yeah. And guess what? It doesn't. So the secret was presented on such an elementary beginner's level. Uh, sure, it's a first step, but the real step is into the soul's law of attraction. How do we manifest not from our desire to get, but our longing to give, mm -hmm. our longing to become? And so I began to study uh, in, in Judaism the, the story of Moses at the burning bush when Moses was given the name Ehiyeh Asher Ehiyeh, which we often translate to I am that I am. And there is power in that name, power in the statement, I am that. Mm -hmm. And when we become that which we are seeking and become the source, this is the real law of attraction. So I, I wrote that book and then the subsequent movie in response to The Secret. Now, the interesting thing, <coughs> excuse me, is when we were making the movie, I'd worked on it for about a year. And about, well, right before, maybe a month before it was going to come out, maybe two, a month and a half, I don't remember. But I showed it to a few people, Debbie Ford, who was a very dear friend of mine, and two other men. And they watched it and said, it's okay. I thought, what do you mean it's okay? I've worked for a year on this. I, it needs to be better than okay. And one of these men said, you know, I haven't had two weeks off in a year, but I don't have anything going on for the next two weeks. If you want, we can work day and night for two weeks. And I think we can create something that is truly beautiful. So we, I said, yes. And we did. And for two weeks, we ended up reshooting 70% of the film in two wow, weeks. Wow. That's crazy. Re-edited a hundred percent. And the interesting thing is that man's name is Drew Harriet, who was the director of The Secret. So it came full circle from watching that movie, knowing that this was only a beginning, nothing more. But then Drew was the one who helped to bring it to fruition. So you can find the movie online. The book, of course, is available everywhere. See, I think what's so beautiful about that is you didn't let your ego get in the way of something because a lot of people say, man, I just worked a year on this. Forget it. Screw that. Right? I'm tempted. Yeah. <laughs> but you allowed somebody to say, hey, let me work with you for two weeks yeah. intensely. And we're going to get this thing done. 
Yeah. The secret was, that was Rhonda. What was her name, last name, Rhonda? Burn. Burns. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, yeah. she produced it and Drew was the one who actually made the movie. But Rhonda apparently needed more attention. So she, she, she wouldn't let him promote anything. And oh, well. Yeah. But I, 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 filmmaker. I'm, I, I want to watch that movie. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to ordering that. Um, James Twyman, you've got a lot going on, as we said. You've got your community in Ahiak. Um, is that mostly older people or anybody? No, or just anybody? You've got the little houses, the tiny houses there? Yeah, we, by the end of the year, we're going to have 40 houses or apartments there. In, it's in a town called Ahihik, and Ahihik. It, it's right outside Guadalajara. It is a booming spiritual community, a non-dual spiritual community. We come together every morning at 9.30 and share and go so deep, and everyone's invited. If you want to actually watch some movies about it or check it out, go to namastelakechapala.com, and you can see everything there. Um, and I mentioned that video of the first 20 minutes of the musical. You can yes. see that. You can go to jimmytwyman.com and there you can sign up for the website or you can also go to stfrancismusical.com, stfrancismusical.com. It uh, takes you to the, the site for the tour. You can check out and see when we're coming to your area. We would love to see you in the different cities and New York. If you want to be on the stage, all you need to do is uh, get yourself a nun's habit or a brother's habit and you can be right there in a Broadway show with us. <laughs> does it say that on your website? I think it does. Okay. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you so much. Your generosity, you know, blows me away, but I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. And um, you folks who are listening, go below. There's a little face and it says like this. And, and if you hit that wow face, it spreads us wide and far on Facebook. So please do that. <laughs> It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. I'm going to be following you and I hope to see you uh, yeah. maybe in Philadelphia or someplace, or you're in Ohio, right? Ohio, someplace. Cleveland. Uh -huh. Cleveland. So maybe Cleveland will, will do the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and see you go. St. <laughs> Francis Rock and Roll. There we go. St. Francis Rock and Roll. And, and hopefully we'll say, hey, I'm here to see Jamie. And, and they'll say, yeah, come backstage. He knows who you are. Oh yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> you know, this musical is very personal. I, yeah. I, I, people need to experience Francis. So I'm never on a stage. I'm always doing the musical right in the midst of the whole crowd. Love it. I'm going to send you, I sent you an email the other day, um, but I'll send you another email with the name from Lava May. And if you, Please. if you feel the, the desire to reach out, you know, go for it. Please. One, I've been so happy to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Okay. Goodbye, Facebook. We're going to leave you Bye, now. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to stop our recording.